Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Amen. Well, this is Good Friday. Good Friday. Someone said, what's so good about it? Well, I said, I'm going to tell you. So I've got a reading for you this morning, and I think it's good just to reflect back and then to move forward. So we're reading from Mark chapter 15, verse 16 to 25, Mark's Gospel. And this is when Jesus is in the courtyard. It's how it starts off. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters, called the the Praetorium, and called out the entire regiment. This was not a few men. They dressed him in a purple robe, and they wove thorn branches into a crown. These thorns that they wove are as big as a person's finger, not like these little ones here, as big as your finger. And so they wove this crown and put it on his head. And then they saluted him and taunted him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him, dropped to their knees in mock worship. And when they finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put it on his own clothes on him again. And then they led him away to be crucified. A passerby by the name Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine, drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. Lord, let our hearts be open to receive what you've done for us on the cross. The death of Jesus, the death of our Lord and Savior, his crucifixion is a historical factual event this event this crucifixion that took place almost 2000 years ago is fact and it's fact because it's been recorded by historians and scholars both believers and non-believers Just to give you a little bit of background about scholars and historians, they don't take things lightly. They research and they they spend their time delving into different parts of history and geography and culture and language. And then they search out every last bit of document that's able. Let me tell you about the believing scholars. In the recording of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, believers who 
historically recorded the events in the life of Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, they were fishermen. There was one particular man, his name is Luke, and he is Luke the doctor. A unique man. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. It is half of the Bible, of the New Testament, literally. Imagine that. The writings come from Luke. What qualifications does Luke have? Well, an archaeologist by the name of William Mitchell Ramsey, who was the foremost authority of his day on Asia Minor history and a leading scholar in the study of New Testament, comments about the qualifications of Luke the doctor. And this is what he says. The foremost authority on Asia Minor history. He says, based on his accurate descriptions of towns, cities and islands, as well as correctly naming various official titles, Luke is a historian of first class rank. Not merely are his statements of fact trustworthy, he possessed of the true historic sense, in short, he is one of the greatest historians that ever lived. Incredible. But also, there are non-believing historians and scholars who are actually antagonistic towards the gospel. But this is what they write. They testify to the death of Jesus Christ, to the crucifixion, not just passing away, but to the crucifixion. John Dominic Crossan, head, listen to this, head of one of the leading groups that seeks to discredit history of the gospel account, said this. So his whole life, he wants to discredit the gospel accounts. He said, I strongly affirm the historical evidence of Jesus' death by crucifixion. He continued and said, one of the most certain facts of history is that Jesus was crucified on the orders of the Roman prefect of Judea, Pontius Pilate. The death of Jesus Christ. Bart Ehrman, one of the most prominent critical scholars against Christianity in America today said this, Jesus' death as a consequence of crucifixion is indisputable. Can't be disputed. Gerd Ludman, an atheist and a highly critical New Testament professor in Germany, said, scholars who have no religious motivation to prove the historic accuracy of Jesus' life and death by crucifixion said, historical evidence makes it certain. He died by crucifixion. In the past, Flavius Josephus, a Jewish historian, he says this, Pilate condemned Jesus to be crucified to die. When Pilate, upon hearing him, Jesus, accused by men of the highest standing amongst us, has condemned him to be crucified. Cornelius Tacitus, a Roman historian, said, Christ suffered the extreme penalty, referring to crucifixion, during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate. 
Others have said it. The Babylonian Talmud, Jewish writings from a period of 70 AD to 200, said this on the eve of the Passover. Jesus was hanged as crucified. A German atheist and critic, again, Gerd Ludmann, asserts the elements in the traditions are to be dated to the first two years after the crucifixion of Jesus, no later than three. So he is saying the recording of the death of Christ took place at least two or three years at the latest, the crucifixion. Respected scholar James D. Dunn goes to say this, this tradition, as in the crucifixion, can be entirely confident was formulated as tradition within the months of Jesus' death. And you say to me, well, that was such a long time ago. Surely those records cannot be accurate, cannot be certain. Why are these ancient scholars treated with such respect? To understand ancient documentation, consider this, Alexander the Great, Alexander the Great, the historian, says we are certain that he went here and he went there and he conquered half of the known world at that time. We're certain, based on the facts of writings, Alexander the Great died in 323 BC. 400 years later, writings about him came into existence. 400 years later, by Plutarch and Arian, and scholars today say we can be absolutely certain, based on writings 400 years after his death. That's why the writings of Christ by historians and uh, who are believers and non-historians, uh, historians who are non-believers, it is certain that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. These records are so secure, it cannot be denied even by the atheist, even by those who are antagonistic to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus was crucified and died on a cross. The crucifixion is an interesting point of view for life. If you were to think that someone was to die, physically die, to bring life, it does not make any sense at all. The crucifixion is contrary to that which one would think. And Paul, in his writing, unfolds the understanding of the cross in that day that he lived and actually in today where we now exist. He, under, he unfolds this understanding of what the cross is considered. Four basic things for you this morning. Firstly, the cross of Christ is considered to be foolishness. Foolishness. Reading from 1 Corinthians, it says this. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. This foolishness 
That term means unworthy of belief. So when people are confronted with the cross, even though historical evidence proves that it took place, it's unworthy of belief. It's foolishness. Why? Why is it foolish? Because you see, a Messiah should come a certain way. A saviour should live a certain life. A deliverer should be powerful and have influence. And now we have a saviour who comes and dies to bring life that's contrary to our natural thinking. You see, a Messiah would come a different way and do a different thing. The cross was foolishness to him. To the belief that a man could die and would die on a cross. Consider Jesus' life. He was born in a stable. He was despised by men. He was rejected. He came from Nazareth. There was a saying amongst the, the, the Jewish people, can anything, what? Good come out of Nazareth. Imagine living with that. Well, where do you come from? Well, I grew up in... Oh, we know about that place. He had no home. He had no wealth. Little honour amongst his own people. And he dies what is known to be one of the most horrific, despicable deaths that exist at that time. Are you kidding me? A Messiah? Seriously? Would die on a cross? That's foolishness. Don't talk such nonsense. Imagine growing up as a Jew and experiencing every year Passover. A lamb that was slaughtered. The blood was shed. It was placed on the altar and you were free from your sin because it was covered for a period of time. And then Christ comes. And he dies upon a cross, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the Jew who has been sacrificing for over 400 years comes and they see Christ and they don't put the two together. That there is a sacrifice. Surely they would have read the old scriptures. Surely they could see it. Understand the prophets, Isaiah, and what they were saying. But no, because in their mind... In their wisdom, a Messiah should come a certain way and do a certain thing. And the cross was foolishness to them. Can I say this? We must be careful that we do not tie our thinking or our idea of how God will move and touch and change people's life when God desires to do something. Because his ways are not our ways. And we think that maybe because we've experienced God like this, then everybody should experience God like that. That's not how God works. The gospel for us who are being saved is the very power of God. The power of God. Secondly, human wisdom destroyed and discarded the intelligent. Verse 19, as the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wide and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does that leave the philosopher? 
the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters. That's the question. Where does it leave them? God has made his wisdom of the world look foolish. When God desires and decides to unveil the brilliance of mankind or to mankind, mankind then understands just how pitiful his intelligence is. Do you know once upon a time, we believed that the earth was flat. In fact, there are some people who still believe the world is flat and that they will fall off the end of the world. But it hasn't happened yet, but the world is flat. We believed that the earth was the center of the universe. Imagine mankind thinking that we are the center of the universe. But in fact, we all revolve around the sun. We think that we know the ways of God. But when God begins to reveal things to mankind and see his brilliance, to, a, to just look at a speck of dust is an amazing thing. The wisdom and his intelligence and the intelligence of man compared not to a hill of beans, but not even to a bean. God's wisdom makes man's wisdom look foolish. Thirdly, God's wisdom is not understood by human wisdom. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. I'll read that again. God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. You will never know God through your human wisdom. You cannot conceive what God conceives. His plan for mankind is so ingenious that you can never ever come up with it. God in his ultimate wisdom created a plan. Just as Pastor Randall said, from the moment when mankind sinned. From that moment, a plan so great, so vast, so wide, that it's not limited to a person. Salvation is for all, never based on your capability, never based upon your goodness, never based upon your position, your stature, your gift, your intelligence, or your capacity, but based on the plan that God has for every single being born on the face of the earth. A plan so great, no man could conceive it. But God in his ultimate wisdom, he brings a plan that everyone who calls upon a name of him will be saved. Everyone, folks, everyone. No one is limited to accepting Christ as Savior as Lord because he laid down his life. And the crucifixion is an absolute certainty. No question. And how does that Come, it is through the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel. The payment of sin. He was crucified for your sin. It's through the medium of declaration. As you begin to speak, you begin to speak about the word of Christ and what he has done. It's the creative word that changes the hearts of men and women. Not our word, but his word that he sent into the world to die for us. 
Oh, my goodness. Then all of mankind has the opportunity to respond by faith. That is the power of God unto salvation. If you don't get excited about that, then what are you getting excited about? Salvation is for all. The Jews and the Greeks, they struggled with this idea, this brilliant, ingenious way for mankind to be saved. Because the scripture tells us it is foolish to the Jews who ask for a sign from heaven. Oh God, I don't know if you've ever prayed. Oh God, give me a sign. Give me a sign to prove that you're alive. You just have to read some old historical books by guys who who don't care about salvation. Who cannot deny the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Give me a sign, oh God. The Jews had witnessed many signs, many miracles, but there was a sign that was the greatest of all, the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. And it is foolish to the Gentiles who seek human wisdom. Well, the cross doesn't make any sense. Why would a man die to save a world and he cannot save himself? So folks, verse 23, so when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's nonsense. Oh, do we live in a world of people who are so offended today? I find that offensive. Well, let me tell you, the cross of Jesus Christ is the most offensive thing that exists today and has existed for all mankind because it says that you have sin and you need a savior and you need to turn to him to be set free well i want to do it my way well many a man has done and ended in the pit of hell so we preach christ was crucified the jews are offended and the gentiles say it's nonsense has it changed in two thousand years no dear friends no We get offended by a sign. We say it's nonsense because we can't work it out. And just because I don't get a sign, I'm not going to get offended. And just because I can't work it out, I'm not going to say it's nonsense. Do you know there are things that you do not know and you live in a world of things that you do not know, but you still do those things that are existent in the world? I don't know how the internet works and I don't care how the internet works. I just care that. It works. And I don't understand the full breadth and the the depth of the cross. But folks, I know that it works. Fourthly, Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. The power and the wisdom of God. But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And look at the last verse, verse 25. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. The wisest of the wisest. God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Dear friends, this is why we must realize the crucifixion is not only a historical reality, But it is also an eternal reality. Because salvation will continue until he returns. 
Salvation is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And that salvation in the uniqueness of the plan of God is available for all. And that's why we celebrate Good Friday, because it is good. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Salvation deals with every thing and through every time that is common to man. I ask the musicians and the singers to come in the choir and we're going to close with that last song. I want you to be confident in the cross of Christ and it is the power of God unto salvation. The cross is an event that cannot be denied. I wonder if the resurrection is also attached to that. Well, we'll leave that for Sunday. But think about it. Those who hate the gospel, those who are unbelievers and who are anti-Christ cannot deny the existence of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Historical, factual event. And where does our hope lies? It lies in the cross of Jesus Christ. Why don't you close your eyes? I cannot finish unless I ask you this question. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and never asked him to come into your life, let me tell you, as sure as we are standing today, it is the power of God unto salvation. And it is as simply as saying, Christ, come into my life and I believe that you died for me on the cross. And I don't understand it all, but I know, God, that in your wisdom, you sent your son to die for me. Is there anyone here this morning who would like to respond to the message of the cross, the power of God unto salvation? Just raise your hand. Just say, that's me. And we'll pray. I need to tell you the truth so the truth can set you free. And if you are good, praise God, you're good. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, ask him to reveal himself to you and he will. Ask him to reveal that incredible plan of salvation. And he will. Lord, I pray for those who are here and those who are online, those who are watching. If you've asked Christ to come into your life, then begin to seek him out even more by beginning to read the Gospel of Mark, just where we read from this morning. Get into a good church that preaches the Word of God and begin to grow in a way you've never grown before. And your life will change and be incredible because this is amazing grace. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.